Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. I'm Eon, Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr, and tonight I'm joined with Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Kama. Hi, this is Kama. Uh, you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky Chickren on Tumblr. And last, we're joined by a returning guest, um, Tina. Hi, I'm Tina. I'm a JB shipper, and you can find me at Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. Awesome. All right. So tonight we're covering Catlin 5 of A Storm of Swords. I'd just like to throw a trigger warning for possible talk of rape and violence. This is um, George R. R. Martin's world. <laughs> All right. So are we ready? <laughs> uh, I guess. Sure. Yes. <laughs> Such who's, who's ready for their daily dose of depression? <laughs> Like, Rob, right. send him a, a toaster and don't go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I usually we send crock pots to wedding showers and stuff. So, yeah. Works there you go. That works. All right. So, Rob sets out for the twins in a light drizzle with a party including Catelyn, Edmure, and Lothar Frey. Jane rides to join the party and begs to be taken along, but Rob sends her back to Riverrun. It's all Catelyn's idea to leave her behind as her presence could lead to really pissing off Walter Frey. It's kind of like a little slap in the face, but like the show didn't really follow that example. Yeah. <laughs> and should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Sir Reynold is the only Westerling with the group. The others remain at River Run, except Sir Rolf, who was, who was dispatched to Duskendale as soon as Lord Tywin agreed to trade Robert for Martin. They are protected by Sir Brendan Blackfish, whom Rob has named to be the new title warden of the Southern Marches. With Sir Rolf gone, Grey Wind is at Rob's side once more. Go Grey Wind. <laughs> and let's see. Um, Galbert Glover commands the outriders of Rob's army in Brendan's absence, while Great John leads the van Sir Wendell guards the baggage, and Robin leads the rear guard. Rob's army is 3,500 strong and consists almost entirely of Northmen. The lords of the Riverlands are staying behind to defend their lands while Rob retakes the north. And then um, we also see Lady Mage and Daisy Mormont. They meet up with Catelyn, and we get to see some really badass northern chicks. And... Um, <laughs> They're pretty. They have pretty high hopes about the upcoming fight, but oh, Catelyn's yeah. pretty. She's she has her doubts. She's not really sure. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> and Edmure's not really really happy with Catelyn right now. He's not really on speaking terms with his big sister. 
I mean, because because why? Because she's like, maybe you should worry more about your bride's character than how she looks. <laughs> Which I think is a fair statement for someone to make. Yeah, I like right? that comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get it. He's being a little bit of a pissy right now. And I mean, I, I do get it. I mean, but at the same time, everyone else has to want and go undergo arranged marriages. <laughs> well, it's like never talk to a woman who's been forced into an arranged marriage about looks. I oh, think. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, she had to deal with Ned. I mean, Ned seems pretty com- plain compared to Brandon Stark. I mean, Brandon Stark sound like he was hot. Yeah, well, Kat pretty much told us that. Yeah. Yeah. I really have strongly gotten the impression, even though I don't think she ever comes out and says it or thinks it, but that she was just not that into Brandon. Like, that she was not heartbroken at his uh, death. So maybe she thinks he's hot, but not, you know, much else. Well, I mean. definitely thought he was hot. Hotter than Ned, that's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, I think in terms of like, I never got the impression from any of her POV chapters that she was that into him. Like, you yeah, know, I, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I really don't she, think she's a foregone conclusion. You just get the sense that like any woman in her position would do well to do. She just accepted that he that was she, in reality. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think she was ever like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. God, did I luck out? Can't wait I don't to think bang. she disliked him. No, he but I don't impression. get the impression that she was that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, she also mentions that Ned was pretty vanilla in the bedroom the yeah, first night. First yeah. Time, yeah. 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 Works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, no one. No one is surprised. No one. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Well, All right, so huh? yeah, say I don't have anything else to add. Sorry. You don't have anything else. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 raining a hell of a lot worse now. It's raining cats and dogs, and they get reports that the bridge at Fair Market has totally washed away. They're going to have to take a major detour now. <laughs> They'll have to take the road through Seven Streams and Hagsmire. And eight days later, they reach Old Stones, where Rob. Wants to know the history of the place. Oh my god! Wait mentioned- a I'm sorry, Eon. I'm so- Can we just talk about how? I mean, like, gloomy is the only word for the way that Catelyn is describing everything that they pass, and it kind of culminates in Old Stones, which is the gloomiest and worst. But oh my gosh, it's like everything. She's like, the rivers are high, the trees are dying, like everything's terrible. They pass this great or this battleground that what was it? I think it was one of their battles, but she's like yeah. seeing all the, oh, the dead whisper- soldiers. Yeah, Whispering Wood. Right? Was it the Whispering yeah, Wood? I don't, just, it, it's just like grim is the only yeah. way to describe like it's the like, optics of this. She's, she's a dead face yeah. looking out of a hell. Yeah. yeah, she's like like an emo teenager. <laughs> yeah, this is like here's your sign that you need to turn around and go back to River Run. And she's that- literally saying that because she's like this rain is like an ill omen, and oh my god. Yeah, because then she's thinking about how um, the spot where I guess um, she said this this would probably be the spot where Theon would have almost gotten killed by Jamie, and I wish that he would have. And you know, she's sort of recounting all the things that you know that when that battle happened, that Ned was still alive and the boys were still alive. It's very 
you know, morose. <laughs> oh, yeah, to say the least. And, and like, you feel it. I mean, it's almost palpable because it's just, you know, George does this thing with his POVs where he really gets in their head and he kind of uses their terminology to describe the world around them. And I mean, like, granted, it sounds pretty grim what she's looking at, but like her terminology is just all about death and decay and dying. And it is depressing. <laughs> At one part I wrote, like, Lady Stark, I was reading as Lady Stoneheart. Like, you know, so I was reading it. I was like, oh, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. <laughs> Not really, though. We're pretty much there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Just a um, precursor. Right. Let's see. Um, we get mention of the song about Jenny of Old Stones, and um, mm-hmm. Kat remembers the one time she camped there as a girl, and she pretended to be Jenny, and Peter was her prince of dragonflies. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and now are you ready for a Westerosi history lesson? <laughs> yes. Oh, sure. Okay. Hit us. Sure, why not? Let's, Let's start. <laughs> Old Stones was the castle of Tristfer Four Mud, a king of the first men who once rolled from the neck to the trident. He was known as the Hammer of Justice and won 99 battles against Andal invaders. But he kind of fell short and died on his hundredth when seven Andal kings joined against him. And um, his son, Tristfer Five, just wasn't as awesome as Four. And the kingdom was lost and House Mud which ruled for a thousand years, well, went back to the mud. God, the foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they literally gather around this sepulcher where, you know, like, and if you've ever been to like medieval Europe, this is a thing where they would kind of carve a likeness of the person who was inside the tomb on top. And mm-hmm. that had happened, but because it's been exposed to the, to the weather, it's just like worn away. So it's like barely recognizable as a face. And it's like Catelyn realizing, you know, on some level that this is what becomes of everyone because she's just, you know, so unbelievably depressed. And it's so heartbreaking knowing what's coming because it's like basically a preview of what's happening with Rob because this guy won every battle until the one that he lost when he died. And it's like, oh. And I mean, <laughs> it's like if if ever if ever the universe was like sending her a sign that, like I said, just send the guy like – Crockpot, toaster, his regrets, and go home. It's yeah. now. I mean, not that he could, but yeah. it's like the universe is just raining down. No, go back. Go back. That's true. Yeah, the roads are getting worse and everything's getting in the way. Oh, man. Mm. Oh, God. Mm. Oh. Make, they're making you think it's like a storm and they just get through the storm and everything will be in the clear, but no, it's just. You know, they just end up in the eye of the storm and then just hit with it on the other side. Oh, totally. Yeah, you do get the feeling that if they can just, you know, get across the river, they're just in a rough spot if they can just get through this, you know. But, oh, God. <laughs> you mean they don't They don't win? <laughs> <sighs> All right, so Rob and Catelyn, next talk of a possible heir. With Bran and Rickon gone, Rob needs to name an heir to serve until Jane gives him a son. I mean, that herb, that herb tea's got to work sometime, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, any any day now. Not well. I don't think they're giving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> K- 
Catelyn says that Lord Rickard had no siblings, but his father had a sister who married a younger son of Lord Raymar Royce of the junior branch. She had three daughters who married a Wainwood, a Carberry, and a Templeton. And Rob's having none of his mother's nonsense and states he wants to <laughs> legitimize John, release him from the watch, and designate him heir. And Catelyn thinks that's just a really bad idea, fearing that he would harm Rob's own sons to secure his position. She points out that Aegon IV legitimized his bastards on his deathbed, which led to five generations of Blackfire pretenders before Sir Barristan slew the last on the Stepstones. And Rob, you know, rightfully so, is pretty mad at his mother's lack of support, and he walks off. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, and kind of just even objectively, it's like, Catelyn, are you really making an argument for people who've never even seen the North <laughs> or John as heir? I mean, it's just not, it, it doesn't make sense for more, for more than one reason. One of the primary reasons They're not is, even like, it's not even like it's, you know, somebody's direct relative. No, no, no. it's your mother's or your father's cousins, the third cousin, four times removed by it's marriage. It's like yeah, third cousin. Yeah. 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 And they live somewhere completely different. They're in a completely different kingdom. And it's like the reason Rob is concerned about who his heir will be is because he's concerned about his lords having confidence in him. And it's like he can't go to them and say, well, Sir Random from the Vale is going to be my heir. I mean, yeah. you know, it just doesn't make any sense from no. a logistical standpoint at this point. I get what Catelyn means, but at this point, as far as they know, Sansa's the only living person. And it's like, you know, what is there really to lose by by making John legitimate at this point? I mean, other than the fact that she personally resents him, which I understand where that comes from. But just from logistics, I mean, who 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 are the Northern Lords going to have more trust in? I mean, we know it's going to be John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think she's using like, oh, all the Targaryens and the Blackbeard. She's just saying that. She's just making an excuse. Like she's just reaching because she doesn't like Jon Snow because of what it represents. So she just kind of like found something that works and is like, oh, there we go. I'll just say that. Yeah, she does a lot of those kinds of things. I mean, there's a lot. She's normally very politically astute. Um, I mean, like, look at that previous chapter. I think Chicky was the one who pointed out that, like, in a matter of minutes, she's figured out Rob, you know, what Rob has done with Jane Westerling and all of the implications. So for her now to start with, we'll go to this these incredibly distant people who have never even, like, you know, probably been to the north of their own kingdom and we'll put them in the north is kind of a, yeah. She's it's just not. a reach. Well, and it sounds like a reach as she's saying it. I mean, you know, like, you're just like, who now? What? She doesn't even know who the third daughter might have been of this, you know, like distant great great aunt. I <laughs> right. Mean. So, I mean, she's got a, this is normally like, I don't really, I give her a pass on a lot of the John stuff because of what it would have meant to her own kids. But at this point, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's almost just like a habit that she's fallen into. You get that impression where it's just like, this is like so many things with Catelyn. This is just, this is a track that she's walked down before. And so she's just going to continue to walk down it no matter what. And that's kind of what the John thing is at this point. It's just, you know, this is this is how she said it in her mind and that's how it has to continue to be. <laughs> I'm not that I don't get it, but uh it's rough. <laughs> it's rough because of the futility. You know, it's just like she can't you know what's coming and she can't even win this tiny thing. I mean really all that she's won is is 
convincing Rob to leave Jane behind. Yeah. Which, yeah, I would say given the uh, chaos of, of, of what does happen at the red wedding, even with the grand plan, I mean, and cause Tywin is not a detail man when it comes to what should be done with survivors. I think that was a good move. So, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because she has the thought that it may come to violence if Jane is there. It's it's beyond, you know, she says the thing to Rob, you know, it's like, well, you're going to feel like you need to, you know, protect her. But she she does seem to have some inkling that this could go, you know, very, very south very fast. Um, so, I mean, you know, she's absolutely right. And you're glad that they listened to her about this. But, oh, God, she just can't win anything else. I mean, even when you know she shouldn't win, she can't win. Yeah. Well, it's still raining. (laughs) (laughs) And um, they're really at a crawl right now. They're in Hagsmire. And Lord Jason catches up to the column there. With him, he brings this captain of the Miraham with news that Balan Greyjoy is dead. Wait, there's more. His brother, Euron, returned to Pike the very day Balan died (laughs) and claimed the Seastone chair. How convenient. (laughs) (laughs) And um, when Lord Botley objected, Euron had him drowned in a cast of seawater. I guess that's why am I laughing? (laughs) Because it does sound funny. funny. It does sound funny. I mean, it's like it's ironborn funny. (laughs) (laughs) Rob sees this opportunity here. Um, He realizes that Victorian and Asha must return to Pike to uh, contest Euron's hold on the throne and that they'll take most of their ships and captains with them, weakening the defenses at Moat Kalen. And Rob tells Lord Jason to prepare, prepare two ships to return to the north. Galbert will be on one and Lady Mage on the other, and they will head for Greywater Watch to inform Lord Howland of the plan. I remember being so excited about this oh, for my no. first read. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to meet the Reed's dad. I know. Okay, but can we take a moment to say how astute Rob is in in guessing exactly how everything's going to go down with the Ironborn? He actually is pretty much spot on with both of this, you know, yeah. like the fact that Asha and Victorian are going to have to rush back. He must, you know, he, he doesn't have a term for it. He must have known that there would be some sort of King's mood or King's deciding thing. He clearly really did pay attention when Theon was talking about, you know, the Iron Islands. Yeah. He He's... He is bright about a lot of things. And I think he's he's bright here. He's figured it out. You're right. Um, we'll see. And um, after the wedding, Rob is planning on dividing his army into three battles led by himself, the Great John, and Lord Roos. While the Great John leads an attack on the causeway, Rob's battle will bypass Moat Kalen with Howland's help and fall on the castle from the rear. And... Um, Last, um, he informs Catelyn that um, she'll wait out the rest of the war at Seaguard. And she's <laughs> not very happy about that. <laughs> and um, finally, she, he, um, he has his lord's witness, his royal decree, naming his heir. And who do you think that's going to be? John? <laughs> I mean, anybody who <laughs> pretends that there's a question about this is just in deep yeah. denial, yeah. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> he, he made it plain, yeah. Yeah, and and Caitlin, Cat, Caitlin, Catelyn makes it plain when she says that she lost again because it's you know she was arguing against oh, yeah. John. Yeah, she knows it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, 
so I mean, this is this is this is a chapter that oh my god launched a thousand theories. And oh really? People were like, well, who was it? <laughs> oh. Well, there are all these discussions about who might have the will. Um, a lot of people think that you know, Mage and and Galbert Glover have the will. I mean, as far as we know, a lot of people have copies of the will. I mean, it's the kind of thing that there probably would have been copies made of. But more than anything, we know that Mage and, yeah. and Galbert Glover know, have knowledge of what was in the will and what Rob's, you know, will Plans was. Were. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of where everything goes. I don't know. It's so funny. I just feel like it's pointless in the books. I don't feel like it matters if Rob's will turns up in the books. I mean, like, it's interesting how they've used it on the show. And now John's like the king of the north, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know that it makes as much difference. I think I agree with you there. I mean, what difference does it make? Well, especially since we're never going to get the... No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's clearly John's Targaryen ancestry that's the most important for the overall story. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably like... See, this is where I, I'm, I'm reluctant to concede that anything the show has done is accurate because I don't want to. <laughs> um, I mean, in terms of like future story, but I, I mean, and I don't know what his intent was at the time he was writing A Storm of Sorts. I kind of wonder. So now I'm wondering if the sort of growing rivalry between John and Sansa was intentional. You know, this is stuff I'm wondering about now. Oh, the show thing of that? Yeah. There could have been. Well, especially given that stupid letter with the original plan for the god-awful plot that, thank God, that didn't happen. You know, the the Arya-John, whatever the hell that was. Oh, yeah, with Tyrion. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, now I kind of wonder, I, I, I will concede that they have some knowledge of where the plot was going. I just don't know at what point they said, fuck it. We're just going to write our own thing. Yeah. That's what's tough to know with this. I mean, like, you know, this is such a huge fan theory that, you know, John is named the heir and that he may be crowned king in the North. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I just look at it. I look at what needs to happen in wins and I'm just like, even if it happens, Danny's got to show up at a point where it just kind of makes it moot. So why bother? Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm wondering like how far, I mean, we know he writes at a snail's pace. So did he have a slightly different idea in mind when he was writing a storm of swords for this, like right. where, where that plot was going to go? And then at this point, is it just going to be a moot point because there's really, I mean, I know what I would do if I were a writer to get everybody where I needed to be. You know, I do that time time gap thing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like what any sane person would do, but he needs, he seems to want to write like, you know, everything, every single thing that happens. So maybe it is going to play, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing where I can imagine him being, which, I mean, spoilers for what we're hearing about for season seven of the show, but where it's like, well, he gets to be king of the north for like three episodes, and then he basically has to swear fealty to another high king, basically. So, <laughs> which sounds like from spoilers is what we're going to get. So 
Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it has to do. But I'm kind of like you. It's like, what did George originally intend? Because he clearly set it up. I mean, like, there's no question. He set it up for John to be the heir. So I don't know. God only knows what he intended or what he may actually do. All I know is there's been like some of the most entertaining stuff that's happened in between dance and whenever wins comes out has been theories about this bill. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that at least. Right. It gives me more stuff to listen to while I'm at work. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there you go. Huh. So anything else? Oh God. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's amazing to me that I didn't see the red wedding coming. The first time when I read this and I read the mood and the tone and the language of it. How did I not know that she was clearly just heading straight for death at this point? Because it's so obvious in retrospect. Because I think it's like Tina said, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, they're going to get to this point and the plan's pretty good. And I mean, it wasn't until I got through this book that I just demanded all hope that, you know, anything good was ever going to happen to any character I cared about. Um, And this book pretty much killed all of that for me. But um, thank you, George. But I think that's a natural. It's like when um, Game of Thrones was first on, maybe in the second or third season, I, I stumbled onto like this YouTube review of these people. They were like three or four people who'd never read the books and one person who had, and they were always like, Oh, well clearly, you know, they're going to, they're going to connect. And you know, they, cause that's what logically you would expect to happen. That's Mm -hmm. your conventional experience, reading stories, watching movies, TV shows that eventually these things will all converge and you'll have a plot. And this is, Mm -hmm. that's why everybody loves the underdog story. You know, they want to see the underdog, make it to the top and that's what the Starks were was the underdog and you just knew that they were going to be like they were the main characters and they were going to overthrow the Lannisters I mean that's how (laughs) what you think I mean is going to happen and they're going to get their shit together and everything's (laughs) going to be good one day I mean but it doesn't happen and they're yeah. not the underdogs, they're the dead dogs. The dead dogs. Oh god. Okay. <sighs> okay, so but in this chapter, let's 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 try to find something good because there there was were some interesting mentions of Brienne in this chapter. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of mm-hmm. some of the more yeah. revelatory like thoughts that Catelyn has about her when she kind of like compares Brienne to the Mormont women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I find that so interesting because she's like talking about how the Mormons seem more comfortable as both women and warriors than Brienne is as either. And that's so interesting to me. I mean, like, first of all, it's obvious that George is setting up Brienne for a continuing story in that one of Kat's last chapters, he crams in this little information about (laughs) Brienne, even though they're not together. Yes. But isn't that an interesting observation for her to have? Yeah. I always, when I read that, it always stuck with me like, wow, that's like an interesting thing. To think of somebody. Because it is a reminder that there are women that are, other women that are warriors. And, you know, even though, you know, Brienne gets such a, like, you know, kind of pushback from people she runs into because of her looks and all these other issues, you know, there is an element that they, there are people that are women that are warriors. And it's not that shocking, you know, 
insert she's not the only one who's like that yeah Mm -hmm. well and the the mormons have such a practical reason they're like you know we we're on an island our men go off and fish Mm -hmm. and if we get raided we've got to be able to fight and it's just like it's just a very matter of fact yeah what do you expect us to do die (laughs) yeah like a cultural yeah cultural reason and there's also that really interesting recollection about uh, Jorah's wife there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was yes. true, yeah. Who really sounds like, oh, God, he really married the wrong. <laughs> yeah, Lanesse Hightower, man. <laughs> it's funny that everybody seems to have a story about her. <laughs> yeah, she really got around, apparently. <laughs> she, I mean, she did. Does. Well, she's still alive, as far as we yeah, know. Yeah, she's with uh, she's in the, the free city somewhere, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she's somebody's with a, mistress a or, or something. something oh, so what like was that. the whole deal? She ran off, or is that he, mi- he? You mean like with their marriage? Or yeah, was it the? How did that all? He he met her in in King's Landing, I think, and he won like a tourney or a prize. And on Wasn't the strength Atlanta's of that, part? yeah, that sounds right. A tourney I think. Met her in a southern city somewhere, and. On the strength of that and the fact that he is technically a lord and, you know, has a castle and all of that, he won the tourney. Yeah, he won the tourney. He won the tourney, which apparently he was surprised himself that he did. Yeah. That he won it. it. And she was his prize? No. No, no, she was. Oh, okay. Wasn't she just somebody's, like, she's she's noble, isn't she? Oh, I mean, yeah, she's a high yeah. tower. I mean, the oh, high tower. Okay, okay. The high so tower is like she wasn't. Chicky, or sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not some, you know, woman he picked up off the street. I mean, like, it was a legit marriage and okay, everything. But okay. then he brought her home, and home is Bear Island, and it's remote, and they're poor comparatively, and she wanted all this stuff. And basically, he kind of ran through everything he had to keep her happy yeah and then he, that didn't the money work. they didn't have basically that's where he sell, sold those people they were like i forget what they did but he sold people into slavery oh they were okay to kind of for upkeep of her and that sort of led or the, well, that was which the right. is what got him in huge trouble with ned and then she left him <laughs> <laughs> well no they had to leave because ned was going to kill him ned uh, ned ordered him right but they fled be, or whatever to, and then eventually yeah they went she, to essos and then in Essos, she lasted a little while with him, and then she left him because he didn't have any money. Yeah, yeah if she wasn't going to take the Bear she, Island, she wasn't going to take that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but she she is a high tower, and the high towers are you know the the rulers of Old Town where the Citadel is. Um, it's they're a very very ancient house and very powerful and very very rich. And um, why would you know, she marry so she, him? Like why would? Yeah, well, this is the thing. She well, I think was supposedly it was the thing. She's, dazzled. she's the the third daughter, so clearly not you know going to have a huge. I mean, but it's not still, like she's the wait, eldest. I mean, she she could have married anybody, and and that's not a joke. Any like she would have had access to the the houses paramount for for husbands. I mean, the high towers are a very important, very rich, and very influential family, and. You know, she basically got stuck in this backwater because she kind of got dazzled by Jorah, who himself was dazzled by her. And there are some somehow found it within himself to win this tourney okay. that she was at and impress her enough to get her to marry him. And it's just one of those classic cases of like, you know, lust at first sight. It kind of sounds like they kind of fell in lust with each other and then they <laughs> suddenly got married young and, and had nothing in common. Think about it. <laughs> I don't know that he was that young, though. He'd already had a wife at that point who died. 
So I don't know how incredible well, maybe, young he was. Yeah, and he's not very attractive, right? Oh, deal. she's with Tregar or Molin? Who the hell that was? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she's a concubine because he ended up like becoming a sellsword and he was off doing his sellsword thing and she like racked up all this debt and the guy was like, you either need to like pay me or ta- I get to like keep her. Yeah. he's She is the chief concubine, so... Well, that's got to be something, huh? I think she may be secretly a connection to because um, our friend Aegon, probably a Blackfire who is, you know, currently invading Westeros as we speak in the books. Um, John Connington talks about how they have friends in the Reach, and you kind of wonder if Lynesse Hightower may secretly be the connection there. Yeah, Um, there's stuff here about Sir Humphrey. I'm looking in the wiki. There's stuff about who I've totally forgotten who this guy is. I don't know who the hell sends him. It says Sir Humphrey Hightower is sent to lease to hire cell sales, but I don't know who's sending him. Hmm. Oh, the Reach. So probably whoever's, yeah. Hmm. But uh, because, oh, okay. Humphrey is Lanessa's um, brother. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. But I thought that was kind of a whole very interesting little side note. Yeah, it it was. And you kind of wonder if George was going to go somewhere with Liness Hightower or if he is going to, I suppose I should say. I mean, sometimes you wonder if that's another thread he's figured out he needs to drop. I don't know. But um, he certainly intended to at one point because you get more than more than necessary reflection about her here, I feel like. <laughs> oh, she's I forgot she's supposed to be uh, she's supposed to Danny looks like her. She'll be a new POV in wins. Oh, it comes out. oh God! <laughs> well, he's claimed there are gonna, there aren't gonna be any more major. I don't know. I don't believe that though. Right. Oh, so Tina, do you have any announcements? Oh yeah, so I'm going to Con of Thrones in Nashville, Tennessee, which is going to be um, June 30th fr- or Friday, June 30th through I think Sunday, July 2nd, and wow. I'm. So I'm making the trip all the way from Rhode Island, and I'm going to go down there. And I wanted to know if anybody who listens to this podcast, some Brienne shippers, we can uh, get together while we're there. That's or awesome. if anybody's. So, um, like I said before, I'm Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. So if you want to get a hold of me there, you can feel free. And that'd be awesome. I'd love to get together with other people that I know listen to this or. Um, cause of course it's going to be a convention full of people I don't know. And I'm actually going, <laughs> I'm going by myself. Oh, good luck. So, yeah. That's, that's cool. If you yeah. Can find some people. <laughs> oh yeah. Find so people. you'll totally find people. people. Yeah. So I need to make some friends while I'm there since I don't have anybody to go with. So <laughs> is this the one that Guile was trying to talk us into going to? It might've yeah. been. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. They've got Carice, the kid whose name I can't pronounce who plays Ramsey. Kate Dickey, who played Lysa. Oh. Okay, Jan Royce, I can't get too excited about. Sorry. But they had um, Carrie Ingram and um, oh, cool. Amy Richardson, who were Shireen oh. and Marcella. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm definitely going to get cereal. Oh, my God, they've got cereal. Okay, I'm excited. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. Well, You're going to have a blast. 
Oh, yeah. So I'm going to get at least one photo. I, it's going to be wicked expensive, but I figured I got to at least pay for one. So maybe out get that. <laughs> we can put it on, like, the Tumblr or something. Everybody can see it. Yeah, yeah, Oh, that yeah. would be awesome. That would be cool. I'd love that. That's cool. Totally should. Yeah, Guy was trying to talk us into going to that. I don't know. We tossed around, but then we were like, oh, God, Tennessee in, in July. But more <laughs> power to Tina. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's yeah. so everybody knows it's 150 bucks for the three-day weekend, but it's like $60 a day. So if you're in the area, it's not that bad. It really no, is. Yeah, that isn't bad, bad at all. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that's not bad. Normal. Yeah, yeah. Just bring yourself some sunscreen. Sunscreen oh, is good. <laughs> yes. And maybe a shirt that says you're a JB shipper so that Tina can find you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yes. I'm going to be dressed as um, I made my own start costume for um, some some like conventions I've been going to. But it looks pretty cool. So someone thought I was Jon Snow, and I'm like, not exactly. I was just a Stark, but it was good enough. That's you were just random Stark? Yeah, because I didn't know who I wanted to be because I couldn't commit to anybody, but I just thought it was like a costume <laughs> I knew I could make. So awesome. awesome. That's great. Yeah, I want to see a picture of that, too. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so do, do we have any mail? Yeah, we have a iTunes review. So we've got a five-star review from Bella, and it's titled, Loving This Podcast. I just discovered your podcast recently. I know I'm late joining the bandwagon. The first time I played an episode, I enjoyed listening to you guys so much that I went back to your very first episode, and I'm listening to them all. I listen and laugh and enjoy the discussions you have about the books. You're awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you. That's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. I cannot believe people go back to the beginning and listen. <laughs> the beginning whenever we took everything so seriously. Oh, God. Some I didn't of those even are listen rough, to guys. No. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Those old episodes, I can't even. The good old days. <laughs> oh, they're oh. so good. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Well, the good news is we're still whining about the same stuff, so there's continuity. <laughs> Feel vindicated oh. for some of the whining, too. Right. <laughs> it came to fruition. <laughs> All right, so I just want to say thank you to everyone that's been my little panel. Thank you, guys. Thank you. No thank you for moderating. Yes. Well, it was so much fun. <laughs> so that concludes our podcast for the night. If you have any questions or comments, you can visit us on Tumblr and Facebook or shoot us an email at close the door and at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. We love seeing reviews there. Oh, and check us out on Patreon. Becoming one of our Patreons has its perks like early access to our latest episodes. It's pretty neat. So that concludes our podcast for tonight. I'm closing the door. Get out.